Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So starting on June 1st, Parks Canada will begin offering more access and services to visitors. So we'll get an update from Parks Canada on exactly what you can and still can't do in Canada's national parks a little bit later in the podcast. And once the parks fully open up, taking an RV trip might be on your radar this summer. So we'll get some tips on renting an RV from Go RV in Canada. And last week was Tourism Week in Canada, so right off the top, we're going to start things out talking about the heavy hit the COVID pandemic has had on the tourism industry in Canada, why it matters, and where we go from here. So joining us now to do that is Charlotte Bell. She is the President and CEO of the Tourism Industry Association of Canada. Hi, Charlotte. Good morning. Uh, Tell me about the role of the Tourism uh, Industry Association of Canada in general first before we get into some details here. So we are um, essentially the advocacy voice, the national advocacy voice for the entire tourism industry across the country from coast to coast to coast. Um, And that includes all subsectors. So we represent accommodations and transportation, destinations, attractions, and of course, the meetings and conventions sector, which is worth on its own $30 billion a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are just finishing up on Tourism Week in Canada, probably, and then this is probably an understatement in the, in the greatest sense, a lot different this year than in the past, right? Very different. Um, you know, this is usually a time when we come together uh, to celebrate our accomplishments from, from the previous year. Um, and over the last few years, of course, we've had record uh, growth from year to year. Um, and then we'd be ringing in the start of the high season, of course, which is the summer months. But this year, um, you're quite correct, Tourism Week looks very different than most years. And, you know, the mood is not celebratory given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you're launching a new website called tourismmatters.ca. How much does tourism matter? I, I think a lot of people, they don't really think about it that much, do they? It's just one of those industries that's there and we just sort of take it for granted, but it really covers a lot of people and a lot of industries, doesn't it? So, absolutely. Um, and it, it really is sad that... Uh, that it doesn't get the recognition that it rightfully deserves in terms of what it contributes to the economy and also to employment, because this is a $102 billion industry, um, and it supports uh, about 1.8 million jobs across the country. So this is a, this is a very, uh, very important economic driver for the country. In fact, it was recognized by the federal government when they created... Um, what they call strategic economic tables. And in uh, the federal budget in 2019, they actually created a seventh economic table uh, recognizing the great economic contribution and, uh, that tourism makes and also towards innovation um, and future growth for the economy. So it's, it, you know, it, it cannot be understated. And as I said earlier, the meetings and convention sector alone is over $30 billion a year. Mm-hmm. So it's massive. Yeah. It is massive. How, how popular is Canada to visit uh, for the international traveler? Um, you know, we've, that is the area that we have focused a lot of our advocacy on to, to build 
um, international travel, of course, and make Canada more competitive. And so we've seen steady growth over the last few years. We had over 22 million people in uh, 2019, and that was growth from the previous year and then the previous year. Uh, <laughs> so we've, we've seen steady growth. And, you know, um, international travel is very important to the economy because it is an area of growth. And I can tell you, every 1% of growth in international travel can generate about $800 million dollars towards the economy. So it's, it's, it's very, very significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, getting to the COVID uh, situation, the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, here's the million-dollar question. Where do we go from here? Uh, I, I get it that it's, it's a really, uh, the government is a, in a tough bind balancing economic uh, growth with, you know, um, you know, keeping the pandemic under control. Uh, where, where do we go from here? There's the million-dollar question for you, Charlotte. Yeah, it might be the $64 million question, actually. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll back up again and, and go back to Tourism Week. Uh, you know, I, as I was saying, it's, it's perhaps not a time to celebrate, but we definitely wanted to continue um, and, and highlight Tourism Week. And, and because I think it is a very important time to recognize the importance of this sector and the urgent need to build a path forward. And so that's what we've spent a lot of time this week um, or this past week talking about uh, with decision makers, uh, with media interviews, uh, we're doing town halls, and we're bringing stakeholders together and saying, okay, we know everyone is hurting right now. We're all in this together. Now, we've done a lot of work and with the government in terms of putting support programs in place. And, and you know, we, we know that these are stop gaps and, and they're not going to get us all the way through. There's, there's no question about that. These were temporary measures. So we've really, we've shifted, I guess we're pivoting towards recovery. Um, and as you see, provinces start to reopen um, and each of the provinces are really doing their own thing at this time. Um, so we're monitoring that very carefully. Um, some of the, we're going to be actually launching our recovery plan next week and, uh, also doing a lot of media and going to government, having a lot of discussion about the path forward because we have to be planning for recovery. Even we know that travel in the early days is going to be very locally focused. Um, and regional, and then, you know, there will be some interprovincial travel, but we have to make those plans now. Mm-hmm. We have to have that discussion, and we need some coordination among and between provinces and the federal government also so that we can all work towards um, an orderly and responsible uh, recovery path. So, so we are very much focused on, on this right now. How much are you watching what other countries are doing? Uh, specifically, you know, the Caribbean islands are looking to open uh, the beginning of June. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at Spain, Italy offering to pay uh, flights for people to come there. And then you still have this quandary of a 14-day self-isolation. Sooner or later, that's got to be lifted. Otherwise, people aren't just going to are just not going to go anywhere, right? Well, that's part of the issue right now is that, in fact, we are watching what other countries are doing. Um, I think Japan earlier this week uh, put up, I, I believe it was $12 billion to pay people to go mm-hmm. to Japan. 
Um, and so we're seeing different things. Uh, I believe France has put up 18 billion euros to support uh, the visitor economy in that country because, you know, it's very important um, to the future well-being of, of the country. So we're, you know, I feel that we're a little bit behind in Canada and, and we really have to turn our focus to uh, what this is going to look like and how we're going to compete with those countries as they're all starting uh, to put their plans forward. Whether or not they're reopened or not, uh, the reality is they're, they're announcing their plans, the recovery, stimulus packages, um, incentives for tourists. You know, we used to have a GST rebate in this country uh, for international travelers, and that was, that was uh, uh, taken off the table, I think it was two or three years ago. And that had a huge impact on the industry at the time. But it's time to revisit those things and say, what are those incentives that we're going to need to have in place so that we can move forward and be competitive mm-hmm. also? Because there's no question, um, you know, people are, a lot of people are not working right now. They're doing some research. They're trying to figure out, I may not travel in the next two weeks or even in the next month, but where am I going to go? What's the offer? Uh, what does Canada look like compared to other countries? What are they offering me, um, and what is that going to look like? So we have to be, we have to be very uh, prepared for that, and you know we need to have those discussions now. Now is the time. And I'll tell you, you mentioned toursofmatters.ca a little earlier. So as part of our recovery plan, um, and talking to government and, and getting everyone's attention on this, uh, toursofmatters.ca is going to be relaunched. It's a push politics. Uh, platform where people can go on, they enter their postal code, and they send they they could actually send a letter directly to their MP asking uh, for their support for the tourism and the visitor economy, um, and also talking about the importance of this sector. This sector is is unique, um, unlike so many others that are regionally based, like you know agriculture and oil and gas. <clears throat> this is across every single province um, and every single riding across the country, there is tourism. So it is extremely important, and we can't afford to lose tourism. We just can't as a country. Uh, the hashtag again, Tourism Matters. That website is tourismmatters.ca. And Charlotte Bell is the president and CEO of the Tourism Industry Association of Canada. It was a real pleasure chatting with you, Charlotte. Uh, here's to better days ahead. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Well, renting an RV has always been a popular choice for many during the summer months. And with the COVID pandemic affecting many hotels and other accommodation options, Renting an RV might be more popular than ever this summer. So to get some tips on what to look for when renting an RV, we're joined now by Chris Mahoney. He's the president of Go RVing Canada. Their website is GoRVing.ca. Hi, Chris. Hi there. Since uh, a lot of people are kind of looking at uh, staying a little more closer to home this summer as far as their uh, vacation, maybe staying uh, within the country, are you expecting a busier than normal season? Yeah, I mean, we are. We're obviously, uh, we're living in a completely 
different world right now. I know it's been a challenging time for so many as we've gone through the isolation. Um, and the reality is what we're seeing through our channels and, and you know, uh, feeds and from hearing from consumers is simply that, you know, people need to recreate. And uh, it's an important part of, of, of anyone's life. And the reality is that cross-border travel and, uh, you know, airlines, uh, cruise ships and family vacations like that down south of, of obviously uh, going to be halted for some time now. So I think people are really looking forward to getting out there and, and, and rightly so, exploring their own backyard. And we're seeing a, a large amount of demand for that uh, already. Uh, so now if I'm looking to rent an RV, uh, what are some of the things that I should be looking for? Well, I mean, we always say, you know, do your research, right? Uh, obviously, uh, as we just said, there is going to be, we feel quite a bit of demand. Um, you know, you want to make sure that uh, you're identifying exactly, you know, kind of where you want to go with your family, the type of unit you want to take. Uh, make sure it's the right size. If it's, you know, just you or your wife or your family, or uh, even if you're solo, uh, it's important to identify that before you go into uh, the dealer. So, um, really sort of do your research there. Um, you know, I think uh, given current circumstances, uh, there are going to be some some closures and, you know, we should expect that to whether it's going to be points of interest uh, or even some closures uh, within the campground facilities just to uh, ensure the safety protocols um, as we sort of move through this uh, crisis. And I think, again, that's where research comes in in handy. Um, we have launched a, uh, a visitor center on our uh, on our GoRVing.ca platform, and, uh, and this is really a, a great resource out now and help guide them through what the what the protocols will be as we move uh, as we move through this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, myself personally, it's been a long time since I've uh, looked at RVing or, or doing anything like that. There's so many different styles and models. How do I even begin to to wave my or work my way through that? Yeah, I think you know the flexibility and, and the amount of uh, the amount of options available are, are, are sometimes uh, too much. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, again, taking a look through. Uh, our site certainly something that is uh, is brand agnostic. We don't sell specific brands or anything like that, but we provide you information on the units. And really, the unit is down to what you're comfortable doing with uh, within your own sort of floor plan and things like that. It's uh, you need to take a look at how far do I want to go, uh, what kind of terrain am I looking at, and uh, how many people am I planning on traveling with. We you know, there's a unit for everyone, as we say, from 10000 starting just at $10,000 at, at a tent trailer. So, you know, that's to purchase. But, you know, to, to rent is also available. And I think uh, the try before you buy component is very important, too. So, yeah, there's so there's so many units out there to take a look at. I would just, again, do your research and uh, and look at the right floor plan for, for you and your needs. What about insurance? I'm sure you get that question all the time. Yeah, we do. I mean, uh, you know, uh, dealers, uh, a reputable dealer will provide insurance, rental dealers, of course, if that's what you're looking to do. Um, And you should always make sure that that is the case. Of course, uh, just like any vehicle on the road, there are uh, there are dangers and we need to make sure that uh, that you yourself and others are, are, are covered. Um, Driving an RV can be just like driving uh, a larger uh, SUV. But, you know, it's still very important to make sure that you have that proper coverage through the dealer. And again, we provide advice to the consumer on that. Uh, And if you're ever unsure, make sure you just ask that question. 
What about campgrounds? Uh, like, uh, do you need a designated campground? I know there's privately run uh, campgrounds. There's the uh, provincial parks, the national parks. Uh, any uh, advice on that? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, uh, as, as, as we've said, we're, we're in a fluid situation here and, and different, uh, different areas have opened up and will continue to open up. And it's a sort of uh, almost a day by day, week by week situation. So we are seeing a lot of campgrounds open up now. Uh, I would anticipate that some will have uh, closures and uh, there are a number of resources online that you can do to, to check into that, whether it's a private campground or a provincial campground. Uh, again, uh, depending on provinces and things like that, they're slowly opening up. I know in Alberta, that's that's uh, certainly been the case, and we want to see that. We want to see that happen so that the you know the demand is met, because certainly there will be demand to recreate. Uh, the other thing is that as you plan your trip, I would I would highly recommend that you contact the campground themselves just to ensure. Uh, what kind of COVID protocols perhaps they have or what protocols they put in place given, you know, the circumstances that we're in, what is open and what is not. So uh, I, I, I would say this year, more than any other years, it's uh, it's going to be important to just do some extra work ahead of time. But look, it's going to be, a, it's still going to be a busy summer for people and it's going to really going to be more important than ever to get outside and, uh, and, uh, and recreate obviously with uh, social distancing and things like that in mind. Are RVs self-equipped now? It used to be uh, in the olden days you needed to have a power outlet and those types of things. It's a pretty, mo- uh, pretty much now a self-contained unit? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the unit itself, but pretty much anything that you're going to rent is going to be more or less of it. quite often. I mean, we talk about different uh, different formats, but quite often it's a Class C motorhome that uh, a lot of the rental outfits provide, and 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 those are and those are really fantastic because they come in a variety of sizes and and floor plans, like we mentioned earlier. But uh, they really are self-contained units. Uh, you know, they have generators, they have their own power. Uh, they have obviously, uh, you know, the holding tanks and, you know, can go for days if, if necessary. I mean, it is always nice to find the campground and come in and have those plugins available and have obviously uh, the, the, uh, the, the water connections and things like that. So uh, we do recommend that where possible and, uh, you know, just it adds to the comfort of your journey. But absolutely, I mean, you, everything from the outdoor kitchens now, outdoor showers even on the, on the units, uh, all the way inside. So uh, you're going to have all those comforts of home, that's for sure. Uh, and <laughs> I think that the manufacturers are only getting better with it. And I guess that's one of the advantages. You have all the comforts of home, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you're talking about if you want to travel with the kids, you're able to bring, you know, everyone's favorite here. You can bring, you know, your, your, your food. You're not relying on anyone else. And uh, I would say at this time, it's been more important than ever for people to be able to personalize their own experiences because different people have different levels of cautiousness around what's going on with us. And uh, we want to ensure that uh, you can plan your own trip and plan it within the sort of uh, realm of your comfort. And I think that's what RVing absolutely is set up to do. Mm-hmm. Have, have dealerships adapted to the uh, growing, I don't know, the sort of the Airbnb of uh, RVing where people rent out their units and you just show up? You don't have to drive it anywhere. Are dealerships uh, offering those types of packages too? Yeah, I mean there are companies that do. Uh, there are companies that do the sort of uh, the peer-to-peer, as we call it, uh, component of RVing, and, and certainly that has been popular. We've seen an, an increasing in popularity where it's sort of using uh, an, another owner's RV. 
Um, those companies uh, are now sort of uh, putting in protocols for themselves as well. But I think dealers are, 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 are very much aware of this. They have done a lot around uh, the current circumstances and climate. Um, obviously, ensuring consumer safety is number one. So uh, I know that there's a lot of protocols being put in place. And as you mentioned earlier, insurance uh, is always something that you want to take a very close look at, no matter mm-hmm. where you rent from. Mm-hmm. Lots of great advice. You can find uh, more advice on the uh, Go RVing website, GoRVing.ca. And Chris Mahoney is the president of Go RVing Canada. Uh, thanks for your input, Chris. Thanks so much, and I uh, hope everyone has a great summer. Well, starting June 1st, Parks Canada will begin offering more access and services to visitors. So to give us an update on exactly what you can and still can't do in Canada's national parks, we're pleased to welcome back Ed Jager. He is the Director of Visitor Experience with Parks Canada. Their website is pc.gc.ca. Hi, Ed. Hi, Randy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for doing this again. Last time we chatted, Canada's national parks were closing we got better news this time to announce as of uh, June 1st. Uh, some of the parks will be opening up, but still with uh, limited access and restrictions. So uh, give us the details on that then. Yeah, so absolutely. As of June 1st, um, about 29 of our national parks across the country are going to be open for, for limited services. So in most cases, that means that people are going to come and uh, be able to experience trails and the outdoor settings, um, and there'll be some... Uh, limited access to washrooms and those uh, kind of net essential services um, so they can still come and they can spend time outdoors. And I think we've all gro- grown a deeper appreciation of how important the outdoors are uh, as we've been maybe a bit more cooped up than usual during COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Were people, uh, when back in April when the parks were closing, were people in between now and, and back then, were people kind of adhering to those uh, rules as far as you know? Yeah, certainly in the vast majority of cases, we would have we had very little visitation, um, and in, we'd have some situations that we had to address. But like the vast majority of Canadians, you know, clearly understood the seriousness of what we were trying to address and how we all had to work together to um, limit the spread of COVID nineteen, and that getting together um, in groups and being exposed to people from other places and the kind of things that can happen when you're visiting a national park weren't, it wasn't the time to do those. Mm -hmm. So what can't we do still? What can't you do still? Well, camping isn't uh, available yet and we'll be, um, we're just finalizing how we can make that a possibility. Um, But until June 21st, there's not going to be any camping and we expect that after that, um, there'll be a bit, there'll be the start of some possibilities and we'll provide more information on that in the coming weeks. Also, when you arrive, uh, a lot of the things that we used to visit, like uh, to go into buildings like visitor centers, in the case of many of our historic sites, you know, uh, historic buildings and um, sort of key parts of the experience aren't going to be accessible yet. And I think you can understand, like these are indoor spaces, um, that may not uh, be currently set up so that people can keep two meter distance from each other. So we're working hard to address that. And as we do that for specific buildings, we'll bring them online. When it comes to historic buildings, often then we just don't have the 
the wide open spaces and the ingress and egress that are going to make it possible. So it'll be really on a case-by-case basis of if people can come visit and how we can make that possible. Um, And the other thing that people are not going to be having access to right away will be group activities and interpretive events where we're going to see larger groups gathering. And again, that's in line with the advice that we're getting from public health experts in terms of uh, group opportunities and exposing people potentially to um, contracting or spreading COVID-19. For many uh, people, we are lucky enough to live close enough to a park such as Banff, Jasper, uh, just come to mind, or Waterton. Can we just go for the day, park the car, and go for a hike? Absolutely. And that's really what the world is going to be like um, for the next little while, especially if you're talking about using Parks Canada's facilities. It is uh, to go for the day, um, go for a hike, and then head back home. Um, as well, in Banff or in some of our locations where there's other hotels operating and so on, uh, folks can contact those operators and see what the parameters are for using their services. But for the most part, um, folks will get to come for a day trip, and then they'll get to head back home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, uh, touching on the town sites themselves, Jasper, Waterton, uh, Banff, and any other towns that may be in national parks across the country, uh, are we allowed... Who has jurisdiction? Is it the province saying, hey, uh, restaurants can open such as here in Alberta, or does the the parks have jurisdictions uh, on what they can do inside the town site, and can we go visit the town site and have lunch or, or do whatever? Yeah, so we're really lining up with uh, the provincial government um, in this case, uh, and the Alberta provincial government in this case. So it's really going to be the application of those um, restrictions and those guidelines. So, you know, for example, if someone's uh, planning to go to restaurants in Banff, of course, they'll need to check with those specific restaurants, and those restaurants will be applying the rules that are uh, specific to Alberta. And I'm not particularly familiar with them, but mm-hmm. you know, we've seen in many provinces, right, in terms of the number of tables, they're only doing takeout, all those kinds of um, restrictions that are in place. And the restaurants that open and operate in the town sites and our parks would be applying those same restrictions. So a good rule of thumb then would be check ahead so you're not disappointed. Oh, right? absolutely, yeah. right? And that's really for everyone when they're... We, people really should be planning ahead. They should make sure that they're packing things that they maybe weren't used to packing, um, you know, cleaning wipes and, and hand sanitizers so they can apply some of those um, good hygiene practices that we've all been hearing about. They should also uh, be bringing their own food and water just in case. Um, so even if we do think that um, or we do read and find out that certain restaurants and, and such are open, I think it's just a better practice and what's we all, it's what we would normally recommend to folks anyways. And then when they do make their plan, they should have a backup plan because they're going to arrive in a park where things are going to be a bit different and their experience isn't going to be quite the same. And they may come to a parking lot um, that's already full because uh, there's not as many stalls available because Mm -hmm. in that particular area, we want to ensure that people can practice physical distancing and so on. So it's really what we really want people to do is, is have a good plan And if they can't follow their plan to the letter to have a backup plan so they can still come, still have an amazing experience, um, not be disappointed, but also um, not cause problems for others, you know, by by parking where they shouldn't park or by making a particular area too busy, 
um, and uh, causing problems for themselves and for others. Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that when you get to the park gate, uh, you'll you'll get information handed to you to kind of explain this uh, outline. Uh, Is that true? Yeah, you'll certainly be able in most cases, um, and to the fullest extent possible, we're going to be Uh, having opportunities to provide uh, visitors with uh, information. So not all our gates are going to be able to open right away because we want to make sure that they're they're physically um, uh, set up uh, to keep both Mm -hmm. visitors and our staff uh, safe. People will also be able to call and send us, uh, you know, emails and so on, and we will be able to answer their questions that way. So folks can absolutely get uh, information from um, our staff um, and understand what's available and what's not available if they prefer that rather than visiting our website or if our website doesn't answer all their questions. What about, uh, do you still have to pay the same rate? Yeah, so fees are still going to apply. Um, and, you know, we really appreciate that that folks um, support the park system uh, with uh, the payment of their fees. However, um, when they do arrive at a gate, there may be cases where they won't be asked to pay because we haven't been able to set up the appropriate um, the appropriate measures to make sure they're safe. Mm-hmm. So um, the application of the fee, we definitely are going to be encouraging people to pay. Um, we're definitely going to be monitoring, but it's not going to be it's going to be a bit of a different world because we understand too that in some cases we aren't going to be able to make that um, opportunity possible for them. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, um, we're going to be in a bit of a gray zone for the next little while. Uh, and camping, uh, obviously you can't camp yet, but can you do a reservation? Uh, so we can't do reservations yet, but it's important to remember that many of our visitors already have made their reservations. So mm-hmm. we do about a third of our reservations in January and February for the year. So there's already lots of reservations in our system. And we aren't going to let people make new reservations just yet because we really want to get a sense of um, where we can open up our campgrounds. Um, can we fully open the campground? Are there some sites that we aren't going to be open uh, opening? And then we want to be able to respect the reservations of folks that already have reservations. Mm-hmm. And before we make the step of opening up the system to new reservations, we want to address all those issues. So um, our expectation is that um, as we move to opening camping, that will also then move to opening reservations. But exactly what that looks like um, isn't um, fully uh, fleshed out yet. Baby steps, as they say. Uh, lots of information on the Parks Canada website. It's pc.gc.ca. Uh, plan ahead, like Ed says, and uh, enjoy the weather and, and the nice scenery. Uh, Ed Jager is the uh, Director of Visitor Experience with Parks Canada. Appreciate your time, Ed. Thank you very much, Randy. Take care. And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveller radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveller.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. 
Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine Podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.